Well, I'm excited today. Christian Ray is in the house, and I'm going to give a lot of this time straight to him because you got to see his stuff. Uh, businessman, entrepreneur, Christian, incredible backstory. Um, all those things we're going to get into and unpack. And um, you know, I just uh, I'm so pumped because I was I'm watching this and I'm, or I'm I'm watching him just taking so many notes. And I know for you as a a business owner, founder, entrepreneur, that you're going to be doing the same thing, just like I was. So, Christian, tell me, man, like, I know you got the Ukraine shirt on. Um, most people don't know quite the backstory of, of who, you know, and what you came from, but maybe give us some of that and then how how faith got involved in the mix of it. Sure, sure. I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll attempt to do this, uh, to do it justice, because it's just very confusing. It's, it's a confusing story. My, um, I'm half Chilean, half Russian, grew up in um, Chile, Germany, Moscow, Africa, Moscow, Ukraine, um, and then the U.S. So it's, it's sort of geographically completely confused individual. You know, I, I learned four languages by age nine. Uh, so there's a lot of backstories behind it. But it's, the essence is this. Uh, I'm a confused sort of mutt. And um, I am um, an evangelist, an artist, uh, an investor, entrepreneur, uh, sort of also confused professionally, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, a little bit of those. Tell, tell us how you got, because when I, when I first got in a little piece of that story of, of Russia and, uh, and, and a bit of the music, uh, tell us a bit about the music. Tell us a bit about Russia. Tell us a bit about what was, what was going through your mind back then. Uh, I, I basically the music part is this. I um, my my parents got divorced. Um, we moved from Africa back to the Soviet Union, which is where my mom is from. So I don't look Russian. I look Chilean, right? I blend in in Chile, but not in Russia. Um, <clears throat> and um, I was sort of, I was very musical all my life. And and by the time I graduated um, from college in Russia, I graduated with a master's degree in economics which is ironic because I graduated with that degree the year the Soviet Union fell apart. So there's a lot of backstory with Marxism and economics that I can, you know, I'm not going to go into that. But I was very sort of anti-communist by the time I graduated. And my parents were communists. So there's like this interesting wow. departure, right, from background and culture and stuff like that. And, um, and I was, that sort of played out later because I ended up campaigning for Boris Yeltsin uh, the last time the communists were almost basically they were winning they were they were going to come back and um but i went into music instead of economics all my friends went into finance i thought it was boring and uh, i went into music and by so I, I started maybe 92 by end of 93 i was on national television and it was this sort of being a combination of obviously some skills some talent some hard work but also being at the right time at the right place but i ended up being one of the top artists in russia um, you know, I played sports arenas, and I, my music was everywhere—TV, radio. We toured all over the, all over that whole territory, everything from the Baltics all the way to the Stans, and you know, so it's a massive territory. And I was sort of one of the guys that people, uh, people like my music. I guess the youth liked my music. It was R&B, hip hop stuff, stuff. So it was, it was, uh, it was cool. It was fun. A rock star. Yeah, yeah. Rock star. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and where did where did when you're in the middle of that, and you know, I've I've had different friends and per se have gone in there. How does that intersect with spirituality for you? Where where were you at, at the time? 
Well, it, it sort of it elevated me professionally, uh, which was wonderful because it was just uh, it was it was such it's such a gift to be able to have a chance to entertain millions of people, you know, across several different countries. Um, and you know, most people don't like. If you go to school for engineering, you're going to get a job as an engineer. If you start a music career, the odds of you actually having a music career are very small. <laughs> so, so I'm just grateful for the opportunity and uh, how the stars align. But from the standpoint of character, it really revealed all of my flaws. Really, sort of wrecked me on a number of levels. Right, my character, all of my flaws and lack of moral sort of background and framework all came out to just with a vengeance and by the time uh, I started getting into the Bible which had zero sort of you know exposure to or a biblical culture um, I was literally had a number one hit on, on the charts I was literally the song was it was for everywhere right every disco wow. every club every radio station every TV set in a massive sort of territory and I was completely and clinically depressed. I was just really, really down. <laughs> so, so you can you can imagine, you know, it was just. I think a lot of it had to do with pride, with fame, what it does to your head. Um, and to me, a lot of it had to do with relationships. So, um, I, I had this this unhealthy romantic relationship dimension where. I would undermine every relationship I would go into because I saw my parents got divorced and it was such agony that I would every every time something would get serious I would just be a jerk and and do bad things and and basically drive the other person away until one time the I had I was dating this this young lady she was a runway model which is what pop stars are supposed to do right it was this walking cliche and um she got pregnant we had a baby and I still continued on that self-destructive path and and she left and took the baby and cut me off and that just shattered me right and so I was in a place of humi full humility at that time and somebody invited me to church and I met this guy he's a Canadian missionary in Moscow his name is Andy Fleming and he was my father of the faith basically so I came to his church didn't like anything didn't like the singing it was like a campus ministry like they, they really sucked singing wise worship was terrible but the preaching was got to me right and i was like okay i'm paying attention and um so we sort of got to know each other and um that was sort of the thing that attracted me to christianity is that it solved what it solved all of my pain pain points obviously but the one thing that was most obvious to me is that i didn't know how to build a family i didn't mm -hmm. know how to pursue a marriage or build a relationship with a woman in a healthy way it all, always ended up with pain and um I saw Andy, and he, you know, he invited me over to his house, and I saw this, just a very different kind. You can, you can, I could feel that the, this family is has something completely different mm. that I have no idea how to get. And I turned to him and I said, "How do I get what you have?" It was that, it was that clear, you know. And he goes, "I'll, t I'll teach you." And I said, "All right, I'll just tell me what to do, and I'll do everything." And that's that's how it happened. So what did he, t what did he tell you to do? What was like? What, what what did you end up doing? I mean, because you've got all you know, growing up and you're and you're you're little. Your parents split. Yeah, pop star fame, right? You've got a lot of voices that are oh that yeah are flying in there, right? So mm -hmm. so all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people, you know, and, and you've and, you know, you're moving, you're, you're you're doing things, and a lot of times people think that if they just open their Bible, it's going to work. But what? Oh no, no. What did you practically like? What did you practically do? 
Oh, I'll tell you, it, it was radical obedience, radical repentance. You know, first of all, I stopped having sex outside of marriage. And since I wasn't mm. married, I wasn't having sex, yeah. which was just, you know, it was unfathomable, first of all, to me. First, yeah. I didn't realize how you can feel. Like, I did, it, it was hard to, like, wrap my mind around having the kind of lifestyle because I never had that framework, right? Uh, and then I obeyed the Bible. I, I prayed. I read my Bible. I went to church. I accepted discipleship as an integral part of character building and transformation. Um, I basically said, I'm not going to date non-Christians. I'm not going to even look at non-Christians. Uh, women, if in that from that perspective, I need to relearn how do I even look at women in the first place. You know, what do I value? What's my what's my priority list? What am I looking for? I mean, everything, everything. Um, and then, of course, that against like a backdrop of you know, literally half of the female population, the young female population, was sort of had a crush on me because I was like this sort of like a sex symbol type person. You know, uh, that was just really weird for everybody around me who knew me, mm -hmm. and they were like, "Are you serious? Are you out of your mind, man? You know, like you're in a cult or something." And and so that was that was essentially uh, how it happened. And it, I just had to relearn, deconstruct my romance my understanding, my lenses, my, my beliefs about romance and romantic relationships, how the priorities, how they are built, what the values are, completely basically become empty and fill it up with biblical um, principles that, um, that, that work because they've worked, because they were made, you know, God, God created those principles. So I had to relearn everything. It took me about four years um, until I met my wife, and I was just a transformed uh, person by then. So it sounds like you you had some new disciplines, and it took some time to get those oh, yeah. disciplines going. <laughs> yeah, oh, you yeah. know, and yeah. re, I, you know, a lot of times I'll tell people it's almost reprogramming, right? It's you yes. had all these you know, all these programs going. But oh, it was it was reinstall it was it was not even programs. It's the operating system is different. So yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, and a whole new one, <laughs> a whole, a whole new, new one. one. Yeah. So and so, yeah. did you keep doing music during that time? Yeah, yeah. I toured. I was I was peaking. Uh, that's peaking. Sort of, I was peaking. I was literally the the when I became a Christian it was December nineteen ninety five, and by the, by I think spring ninety six. Uh, I was I had a number one hit and uh, I was invited by the Boris Yeltsin campaign to join the campaign. I was touring to promote Boris Yeltsin against the communists. I was on TV campaigning for him. You know. Yeah. I was uh, I was everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And but in the middle of that is where you're having this transformation. With, yes. With yeah. your spirit. I'm relearning. So there's, I'm relearning. So you're on, on. So you're on tour. No, with, you know, no girls or. Doing nope. your best with no girls and reading your Bible and and having all these practices, yeah, yeah. And how I was took, that? In I your... took some Christian guys with me on tour because I wanted to be accountable. Wow. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And then and then you know and now you've um, what I love too. What I was really 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 watched and liked in the stuff you had too was um, just the the business, the entrepreneur side, the practicalities of you know moving from. Being a musician, which is kind of an enigma of of its own, a number one hit, an enigma, um, and then moving that into you know where did you see the next road and business for you? How did that come about? Well, you know, it, I think I was 
It's a mystery. I'm not sure exactly where the entrepreneurial gene comes from, to be honest with, with you to this day. I think it's probably nurture and nature. So there's a little mm -hmm. bit of nature and you, there's a little bit of a, of a leaning towards, you know, um, you're more less risk averse than other people, you're more adventurous than other people, more open-minded to new things, more innovative. But then I think part of it has to do with just the background of um, I, I had so much change early in life. Um, I, I mean, moved three different continents, you know, learned four different languages. That adds a, a bit to it. And also um, the first, literally the first job, up, job experience that I had was my music career, right? I, I sort of, I, I worked in international trade for like a year, hated it, right? So mm -hmm. then, and then my first real thing was my career and it was massively successful. So once you get a taste of that, you... It's hard to, you know, forget, and hard to not um, get that bug of anything is possible, and hard hard to go into sort of okay, I'm going to just work a salary job. Um, you're dissatisfied with that. You can do that, but you can you end up being dissatisfied because you're not most of the time uh, you, you're not creating something new. So I basically started doing. Um, I, I, I mean, even before I became a Christian, I started producing other bands, so I was, I was sort of mm. franchising already. So I was not just a musician, I was sort of a business guy already. I mean, I had a degree in economics, so I had that sort of chip in me. And uh, so I, I created a, we, I co-produced a girls band, like it was almost like a um, Spice Girls type uh, project, it was producer's project, that became massively, massively popular. Christian Spice Girls? No, not the opposite of Christian uh, Spice Girls. Okay. Spice Girls, Spice Girls. So th the dilemma was, became as an entrepreneur, uh, when I became a Christian, was, okay, the concept of Spice Girls, conceptually, goes against sort of the moral fiber of Christianity. And I'm, a, I'm an equal partner, co-founder with this massive franchise that mm. ended up, it's still going 25, 30 years later, uh, produced solo careers, several iterations of the same band. I was flown out to celebrate the 25th anniversary as a founding member you know, on Prime TV. But at the time, I basically had to give that up. I basically had to step away from millions of dollars um, because it uh, clashed with, with my obedience to Christ. What did so, that feel like? It was painful. <laughs> it painful, but it and, yet, and yet liberating at the same time. What ways did you... What was that in your in your mind? What was the pain, and then you know what was the freedom? Well, the pain was that I've only uh, uh, I've, I was just tasting this this massive success personally, and was able to replicate that into a project that would guarantee just tremendous uh, wealth and popularity on top of that. And I, I was on basically on track to do the same thing over and over again, and um, so that's painful, obviously, right? You just yeah. lose you you just lose a lot of money. And the liberating part, I think, it was just the freedom, the, the liberating power of being fully obedient to Christ. You know, there's power in it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was just an empowering, powerful thing for me um, as an experience. Um, I ended up even giving up, sort of phasing out my music career as well for the sake of Christ. And I started preaching, leading, I became an evangelist, led churches in Moscow, Kiev. Two, two of my daughters were born in Moscow. My youngest daughter was born in Kiev, Ukraine. So, 
Um, wow. And then when I was in the state side, when we moved, uh, I married an American. She's from Wisconsin. She came and, I mean, she sold everything, came to Russia, lived there for six years with me. And um, eventually we, we couldn't stay because she, she, her, some of her health limitations were clashing with the climate there. It was very cold, so she was getting sick yeah. and sicker. So just for the sake of the longevity and health of my wife, I, I basically said, look, we need to go to warmer places. And we ended up stateside. So when we were here... Amen. Was, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I look back now, I go, man, thank God we left. Well, it's a mess out there. But um, the... Um, Stateside, I basically started building companies again. So I started I started a production company in Los Angeles. We did basically high-end um, music production and music videos with like award-winning producers. Um, and then after that, um, we started Third Drive, which is a venture development um, company. We raise capital for startups, and we do marketing as well. Yeah. Okay, coming from Russia, I have to ask this. It just popped in my mind because I do have some Russian friends out there. And what's your what's your experience with the Russian bathhouse? Oh, it's a religious experience. That's what it's it a religious experience. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> absolutely, Please? absolutely. If there's, if there's anything, I think Americans need to understand. It's, oh yeah, I, walk them through the experience. Okay, I'll walk you through the experience. Here you go. In in sort of the older cities like Moscow and Saint Petersburg, there they have these bathhouses. Yes. And I'm talking. It's not a sauna. Sauna is like a little bit cubicle in a gym, whatever. You know. No, this is. Imagine a palace with marble floors and, and pillars and gilded ceilings, and you walk into that. Those are the like they're over 100 years old, 200 years old, and then there it's it's almost like a temple, right? And uh, and you and there's a bunch of guys that are all naked, obviously, and you know men and women are separately uh, go separately, and then you have uh, a a a wet sauna essentially so it's and it's these furnaces like these hundred year old furnaces under them and they just and they have benches right so you go from down to up from cooler to hotter and then people would they have these special people who prepare the 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 bathhouse it's perfect they have herbs and all kinds of stuff like that right and then they let you in and you come in and those guys are sitting there and they're just it's just it's just so hot, right? I can, I'm I'm half Chilean, so I sort of say, look, it's just not my it's not my half, right? I'm I'm on the bottom bench, like this, and I'm just you know barely surviving. And there's guys at the top bench, and yeah. then they have these these um, these branches with leaves, with dried leaves, a special type of tree. I don't remember which one, and they would just lay you down, and they just hit you with these leaves and they basically bring the the heat from the top so they go like this and it's so you're already hot like dying hot and it just smack you with those and it basically improves circulation and and basically you do that for a while and then you come out and you plunge into an ice cold um, uh, bathtub or a little pool like ice cold it's chilled it's not normal so and and basically what happens is your body every vessel in your body expands and then they contract you know, yeah, and you get this incredible high, like a healthy high of blood circulating. It's almost like you're born again, right? And you do that three or four times during maybe a three-hour break, and then in between, there's these rituals, and you 
drink beer or vodka or tea and and you can measure i mean you talk deep talks with men so yeah it's a, yeah so it's 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 an experience it's not a, a bad thing right it's an experience and I've just described it to you, and I've taken countless friends through that experience, and they all come back just transformed. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. Man, that is one thing on my bucket list. You have to do it. You absolutely have to we, do it. Yeah. I have um, – we have friends out there, and they talk about it, tell me about it. Um, you know, they're in it. I've – I've tried to look in the U.S. for something similar, but one day that's that's definitely on the bucket list is a the full experience. The full experience in the bathhouse. You have Russian bath, you have Russian bath bathhouses like the Banya is called the Banya. In, the Banya, yes, yeah, in in like probably bigger cities where there's a huge population or Ukrainian. It's Slavic. It's not just Russian Ukrainians. All all of those yeah. guys do it, but you can't compare that with the marble and the hundred year old furnace and all of that stuff like you obviously because no. you, you can't just translate that over yeah. to the to the new world the same way yeah yeah that right there that 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 warms my heart there because that that i could see it and when i yep. see it then i can start to to get closer towards it. i love that the other thing i was thinking of that that you were going through and i love the analogy that you did um, on The Godfather, which I'm a big fan of The Godfather. I'm, I'm sure most probably business owners are are uh, fans of The Godfather. And, and you, you you had a talk where you were you know basically sharing with people you know how to how to make um, how to talk to people essentially you yeah. know how to yeah. how to really like break it down for people and talk to them. And someone like yourself, who is as creative as you are, has this economic side to it. You know, and is and is able to bring a very tangible um, story, right? With the Godfather, how, how maybe explain a little bit about that that story if you remember what it is, or ex- maybe explain sure. a couple of things that you yeah. love about the Godfather and how how that works in there because I just think it's I think it's so creative, and I think it really brings a, a great message. Well, the, the reason I thought of that as a framework is because I was trying to, as a marketer, right, you try to, yeah. when you work with clients, you're trying to explain um, powerful principles that can increase your sales, your revenue, grow your business, but in terms that are, that can, are palpable. And, and it's surprising how many business owners, entrepreneurs just don't understand those core principles. And to me, one of the greatest things where the lights come on is to see someone go, I get it. Mm-hmm. And they start thinking of their business, their product, their service differently, completely, right? So, so I'll explain it. Um, the, the way I explain marketing is I basically said, look, what I, marketing is a conversation. That's, real, mm-hmm. that's the very essence of things. And it takes a higher type of art uh, to do marketing because it's a, you are communicating through everything you create. And you're not having a back and forth, but it needs to feel like a conversation, to the person listening or what, looking at your website, looking at your you know, commercial, for example, right? So here's how I break it down. I said, look, um, your website, for example, it's a first impressions tool. That's what it is. And you have six seconds before you lose somebody on average. That, mm-hmm. That's what the studies show. So it's the same thing as going into a reception. No one knows who you are or you, don't, you know maybe one or two people and you come in and what do you do? Well, you start you first of all clean up right you don't just roll out of bed and go to to a reception why because it's not about being vain you understand that first impressions matter 
if you show up in your jammies at a reception, people are not going to gravitate towards you, right? But it's surprising how messy and confusing websites are um, of many, many businesses. And that's the first rule. The first rule is don't confuse people. Don't overwhelm people. Don't, don't. The website can be busy, too much uh, information, too much um, visually sort of not stimulating at all. Uh, it's overwhelming, right? It's confusing. People are going to stay away because you have six seconds to get somebody's attention, right? So the next level, let's say you start talking to somebody. And uh, what do you do? Well, you start asking about, um, about them. That's why small talk exists, right? You're trying to find connection points. Um, so how does that translate into, into websites? In the same way that if, if you talk to someone and all they talk about it themsel is themselves, that's a put-off. People are going to move on quickly. You're not going to stay in that conversation. If all your marketing assets, all they do is um, tell them how cool we are, this is the, these, are, these are all the technologies behind our stuff, right? Um, what you don't realize is that you're not actually helping yourself because you come across as self-centered, right? What you need to do is you need to talk about them. The mm -hmm. People need to feel that they're talking about them. So what do you talk about? You talk about pain points. What is the problem that you solve? Like a, a good exercise is if you're building a new, a, new, a new business, send your website to somebody who doesn't know what you do and say, hey, click on this link, turn it off, like open it and close it in six seconds and give me a text of what do you think I do and why am I distinct? What's appealing? Yeah, about? I love that. I love when you mentioned that. That was great. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, and, and, and you, you'll be surprised how many people go, I have no idea what you do, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, uh, so, so if it's self-centeredness in a conversation, it's the same thing as the, a business that talks about themselves too much, but not think, thinking of the pain points of the customer and the problems they're solving. So the next, mm -hmm. the next step there after that is you contribute to the conversation, right? In a, in a, in a uh, reception, if you let's say I start talking about the Godfather, and I was sort of mm -hmm. that's sort of the concept where I mentioned the Godfather. Is that yeah. If somebody, if I'm in a, in a reception and I do small talk, small talk, small talk, and then somebody says, "Hey, how about the Godfather? Isn't that the best movie ever made?" I'm like, I'm staying in that conversation, right? And if that person knows something that I don't know about the Godfather, I'm staying with that that person, right? So it's the same thing in marketing: is that you add something that contributes to the pain point. You educate the, your your audience and your customer in something that they don't know yet and they oh my gosh mm. this is this is helping me right that is contributing to the conversation so if if your marketing does not contribute to the conversation doesn't add anything new uh, you're you're the attend you're losing customers that way right mm -hmm. by not doing mm -hmm. that so then ima imagine this this is the next level the next level is you're not only contributing to the conversation, you don't only do uh, tell people, hey, here's some trivia about The Godfather, but you, say, you extract a lesson from it, which means you're showing them a map. What can you carry away with it? So if somebody says, hey, did you know that, that uh, Francis Ford Coppola, the director of The Godfather, he was about to be fired. They had a director on standby this whole time. There was, he was shooting the first, um, the first movie. And he had to fight for this, fight for that. He had to compromise. He had to partner up and collaborate. And that shaped him to be the Francis Ford Coppola that we know now, who is a giant in movie making, one of the best directors in history. And the character that was shaped by that is this. I walk mm -hmm. away not only entertained, in, in but I walk, uh, uh, walk, walk away enlightened, elevated. 
right? So that is showing them a map. So on, in marketing, what that sh what that's what you do is you're saying, here's how we're going to take. Not only we, do we know your pain, you know we know your pain point. Not only can we solve it, but here's how we're going to solve it. So if your marketing shows a map where somebody goes, ooh, I think I believe them, right? Mm. I, I feel I feel elevated. So that's sort of the next stage. And then the last thing that I sort of when I explain marketing to people is that you are recognizable, right? Well, what's recognizable? Imagine if I walk into a, a reception and then Francis Ford Coble is standing in the corner, like. I don't. I don't have to do small talk. I don't have to wonder what the connection point is between me and him. Mm -hmm. I will make a beeline to him. Maybe bring him a cocktail, offer to serve, so I can sort of find some room next to him. And the reason for that is because he's already known to me. He's already added value to my life, and I'm seeking him out. So mm -hmm. in business, uh, if you add, if you become not only someone who does something for some people, but you become a thought leader. You, you write books, your podcasts, you have a YouTube channel, you go, you educate, right? Um, people seek you out, basically. Mm -hmm. People find you. People will find your business and buy for it from you. You don't have to even... The six-second rule goes away. Yeah. Because it's not necessary to convince. It's not necessary to interest. It's not necessary to even show a map because that has been done ahead of time for the because you are generous with your time, your wisdom, and you are investing in that and in, in sort of the general uh, information space of, of your industry. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, you know, Christian, I'm curious here because you've, you've had this long stretch coming from Russia. You know, you get you get this big music, you know, moment and, and state. Uh, you come to America, right? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I – work with a lot with people is it's a lot with mindset it's a lot with beliefs it's a lot of limiting beliefs mm -hmm. it's a lot of these things that you know, way way back and they just they just keep they just keep coming back in and i'm curious i mean because somebody comes from russia and yeah you hit it you hit it big and you can have a lot of confidence and to be able to replicate that coming to the america how did you how did you feel and then how, how did you then take those some of those limiting beliefs from a spiritual perspective what what was going on there? It was very challenging. You're absolutely right about that because I was making a move on faith. I was making a move as yeah. a husband. You know, this is it's my it's my job to to take care of my wife, right? Mm. So so when it became clear that we couldn't stay and and have her healthy, um, I basically said, look, I'm I'm laying down my life, my interests, my professional achievements I was recognizable right there there's all kinds of things you could do if your name is well known yeah and I'm walking away and moving to a place where no one knows or cares who I am right so yeah. so the challenge there obviously is I don't know if if I can create recreate obviously I, I knew I couldn't recreate the musical part but I don't know if if it's like being in a, a big fish in a smaller pond I mean it's not that small but still to being a small fish in, a, in the pond, right? Uh, mm -hmm. America is, is the biggest market in the world. So, so to me, it was definitely, there was, there was a lot of fear, uh, a lot of insecurity as well. I didn't know, right, if I'm going to do well. And um, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question because mindset is everything. You know, I have mm -hmm. a YouTube channel called Headspace. And yeah, the reason I, I have that. 
and the reason I put the, uh, I have this YouTube, YouTube channel because the, the tagline is your headspace today will determine your life space tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it starts with that. I mean, you you cannot you cannot break through to a different quality of life if your headspace is in the old quality of life. <laughs> so uh, so it's everything. You're absolutely right about that, and and that is sort of the most the most important investment you can make is in your in your mindset and your shift. And to me, what it was what it ended up being is is this first is this core core belief that I can be rooted in that I'm a child of God mm. and sort of the Genesis one and two message that you are you are created to to subdue the earth and have dominion over it so it's it's sort of the who you are determines what you do and what you do determines what you have that's the that's the sequence the be do have right and like you you sort of immerse yourself in that thinking and try to and, and do your best it's very hard obviously right because you have the, you have the accuser in your head saying you're not mm-hmm. worthy you're not good mm-hmm. enough you're, you're going to fail here no one knows no one cares uh, you have an accent you know all of that stuff right uh, but then you counter that with the Philippians 4, is that setting your mind at what is pure and lovely and wonderful and noble, right? And you just root yourself in Scripture and the truth of that, and eventually that shapes who you are, how you perceive yourself to be, then it changes your behavior, and that changes the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. And the outcome for me mm-hmm. was I started, you know, to two more nonprofits in the U.S. I started two new companies in the U.S. We've raised millions of dollars for startup founders, Oh, and all of that is, you know, I moved in my early 30s, right? So so I wasn't, you know, 15 or 14. Uh, I was sort of a grown guy, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I think really a lot of it has to do with mindset. You're absolutely right. How do you practically, how do you practically um, work out your mind in that way? I think it's sometimes for me with, I think with my, like, spirit, soul, mind, body, I always... People are easy to relate to a physical body because you say, "Look, I want to get, I want to get in shape. I need to not eat this junk food. I need to work out." You know, you have this picture of what that's going to look like for, sure. for for you physically, right? So when it comes to mentally, and you you know, a lot of times there's this way. What does that what does that look like? What could that look like? What is the what's the specificity of that, right? So for you. Breaking that down, you say, okay, you're getting these thoughts. They're coming in. They're attacking you. You know, what are you? What are you doing practically? To me, it's a combination of um, it's ha- it's habits. I think. I mean, the short answer is developing habits that get you to a place of faith and joy and peace quickly. So I think that's. I had this conversation with a, a buddy of mine who was just going through a hard time uh, just mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, and I basically like, look, dude, you gotta, you gotta figure out what gets you to delight, what gets you to joy, uh, what gets you where the lens that goes in your brain starts seeing the world as a as a hopeful, abundant place. What is the practice, right? And then you fine tune that practice, and then you embed it into your routines, so it becomes muscle memory and a habit. Because then, whatever comes your way, you can get hit by something, bad news, a client leaves, uh, whatever, you know, um, a, a downturn in the economy, the market collapses, whatever. You, you know, you already have the muscle memory to get yourself back into a place of vision, 
of mm. of creativity and abundance. And so it's really the habits. So let me tell you what the habits are for me. To first is um, obvi- obvi- the obvious for most people who are practicing Christianity is quiet times. You pray, you you mm-hmm. read your Bible. I usually walk, so that's specific to me, right? Uh, I read my Bible, I sit down, but then I walk when I pray. Something about moving that really helps me. Um, discipleship, that's the other one. So I have. I've invested very, very, very intentionally for a decade now in mm. four guys in my life that are all godly. They're smarter than me. They're better than me in one thing or another. Wow. Uh, and they have committed their lives to me and paying attention to me and supporting me and I to them. So in most guys, honestly, most guys that I know don't have more than one friend, if that. Like an actual peer or mentor type person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, uh, I have four, so I have this wealth of of support from really really impressive guys, and, and trust me, you have to invest in that so that you you're even worthy of their attention in my in my yeah. mind, you know. Yeah. Um, so I have four guys that would I you run consider that by a, you. Would you consider that like a mastermind for yourself? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so it's an okay. ongoing embedded uh, sort of this is this is happens all the time multiply imagine if you have a mastermind group imagine if you have the same partners in the mastermind group for a decade who are not only wow. there just to partner in one dimension of your life but they're partnering with you in all dimensions of life mm. i mean business finances marriage parenting mm. all of it right uh i mean it's 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 just you know i'm so so blessed but it takes also a lot of intentionality to be able to develop that and nurture that for for some time so the other the other thing that helps me tremendously is sabbathing the sabbath practice i've been sabbathing for 14 15 years something in that in that yeah. uh, and that has been sort of the big shift because it's a weekly rhythm and it's a day a sanctuary in time because i am such a driven ambitious guy that i can go and never stop Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the the Sabbath day, so at sundown on Friday, I stop. And I can be like, we just downsized and went, you know, our our kids went to college. We didn't have, our whole second floor was unused. So we, you know, we moved to another house. We're in the midst of a bunch of boxes. I just hang these these things like this morning because I was going to talk to you. Like, it's an empty wall, man. Um, (laughs) uh, Is that your art? uh, No, no, it's not. It's not. This This is Banksy, the one behind me. I love that. It's a, it's a famous modern artist. Yeah, you know, just had, yeah. Just, has an, I know. just had an exhibition here in Austin, by the way. And um, the so let's say I moved on. I think I moved on a on a Thursday. I think I moved on a Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you're basically well, your basics are out, but your house everything is in boxes. Friend, Friday on sundown at sundown we stopped everything. Wow. We just stopped everything, and we just delight in the Lord. And we delight yeah. in our marriage, in our friends. We sleep in. We make love. We eat. We don't watch our diet. Mm. We focus our minds in, uh, and we pay attention that our God is a great God of abundance. And he provides everything and everything flows from him. And mm. the, the, every, the very air in our, in our lungs comes from him. And that he has our back. And mm. he sees everything. And we have to not worry, and we have to not produce anything to even prove to ourselves that we're not the source of it, right? Yeah. So that shifts that really, it's a tectonic shift that is weekly, and the, your mind starts thinking with 
just great ambition and great vision because it's the core of it comes from from the one that created the universe, not from me. Right? Yeah. So that's a massive um, a massive practice as well for me. Yeah, I love that you said. I love that you said Sabbath. That's a, that's been a big one um, for us and our family, especially for myself. Uh, I I even throw my phone in the drawer. Good. Um, you know, and and that's usually what what tries to claw at me the most. But you know how that feeling is and, and what oh, that's yeah. like. But I think it's great for other people to hear that guys like yourself and more and more people are you know really fully embracing it and not not trying to feel like they got to catch up, strive. You know, yeah. do something else to try and to try and get somebody there. You know, um, so what about now? I mean, you've we've you know all these projects, all this stuff going on. What's on What's on the hot button for you right now? Oops, I think it paused here. Hold on. Oh, there it is. Okay, I think yeah. there was. Um, what's hot on for me right now? Well, we, uh, as always, uh, uh, a few things actually. Yeah. So let me gi- let me give you a list. So. We're raising capital for an amazing, amazing um, startup that that we're we're actually my business partner Brendan Nicely, my my business partner in Third Drive is is heading up, and I'm supporting yeah. him, and it's an, a remarkable faith based um, faith based project that that has to do with the trust network. Um, so it's not even it's not social media, it's not LinkedIn, but it's a trust network, Kingdom Trust Network, that will okay. unify sort of the world from business to charities to everything. So that's a big uh-huh. one for us. Uh, we're raising capital for a, a great f- uh, company that is uh, disrupting pharma- the, pharma- the pharmacy uh, industry. It's like Costco, uh, but for pharmacies, it's absolutely yeah. remarkable. It saves tremendous amounts of money. You know, probably wow. one of the things that, th- as somebody com- coming from the outside to, to the US, that I go, man, something is really broken when it comes to health, mm. the cost of healthcare and mm-hmm. meds especially. And like, you, you see this inflated, so this company is gonna try and solve that. So we're doing that. Um, I am, we have a, after, when it comes to philanthropy, I, I like to call yeah. it philanthropy because the word, Philanthropy comes from loving humanity, right? Yes. So, um, so we, I have an after-school academy in Mozambique that I'm that I started a few years ago, and that's going well. And then the very recent thing, the reason I'm wearing the Ukraine shirt is that when yes. the war broke out, uh, my youngest daughter was born in Ukraine. We lived in Kiev. We have tons of friends. I led a church there of seven churches, actually, right? A network of churches. Wow. Uh, so we had this massive network of people. They were all. Um, they were all in bomb shelters, you yeah. Know, you know, at the end of February, and uh, I was on the phone all day, every day. And then on, on day two, I was like, "Okay, we need to do something, or I'll just fall into depression, right?" Because it was just mm. unfathomable the, what was happening there. So we mobilized, start raising capital. So I started a, um, a network called the Ukraine Relief Network. So if you want to check it out, it's UkraineReliefNetwork.org, and um, we raised a quarter of a million bucks in just a couple of months, and we have two centers for relief for refugees, one in Lviv, one in Kiev. So that's the wow. big thing. I'm actually um, planning a trip there in September. Uh, wow. So that's sort of the highlights of some of the stuff that I'm excited about right now. Wow. I love that, man. Shoot. You are you're in a bunch of different – and then what about the church stuff that you have going on? Well, like yes, how about how did that how did that happen, man? Like that's incredible. What a great idea! <laughs> you, you you mean the church that I lead here, or the I mean I, I well, do you, a few. you lead a church, yeah. I do, what's, yeah. what's 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 oh, that called? Okay, and then called, you also have you help churches as well. 
Yeah, so we, I am a co, I'm a co founding member of a network of churches called Renew.org, and okay. it's a wonderful family of churches that are um, that are trying to really conserve uh, and thrive the the purity of the faith in the face of Christianity not being basically very popular these days, even in America. So Renew.org is is the is the network. Cool. So I'm a founding member of that. So I participate in that. The church here in Austin, we Deb and I planted planted this church called Tribe, so it's atxtribe.org. Um, uh, almost a decade ago, it's going to be a decade in at the end of this month, right? So, well, no, nine years, rather, nine years. We moved a decade ago, but nine years ago we founded the church, and it's in downtown Austin, and it's basically this small, on purpose, by design, uh, very, very, very much intentional community, tight-knit community in downtown Austin, and it's... Um, it's sort of a almost like an answer or an alternative to a mega church type of thing, which mm-hmm. is not necessarily bad, but it, it has upsides and downsides as every totally else, right. Totally. So I just like the I like the the small size. I like the community. Everybody knows everybody. There's mm-hmm. just no 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 layers, no bureaucracy. It's sort of a flat organization, and uh, it attracts a certain type of people. So there's you know everything from students to entrepreneurs it's very entrepreneurial in austin is entrepreneurial as well yeah right? so yeah so uh, so i just love that community so so much and we've been serving it for nine years yeah those are all incredible things man i think i think before before i wrap this thing up man i just feel like you know christian from everything you've seen and been around and, and spent time with and you know all the people that are listening i'd love for you to um close this out in prayer yeah and just and just and just pray and i just find that sometimes when people are on stuff they don't realize why they're on it and they they a lot of times they don't connect the dots that the reason why they're on it is because god's working on them and they don't realize that 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 he is and it's these these weird wild moments and i feel like christian you've had a lot of those in your life and yeah i'm sure a lot of people listening have had those as well and i call them synchronicities they're not coincidences. They're yes. by design. And, um, man, I'd love for you to just, just pray for some people and w- what's on your heart, man. Absolutely. Uh, Father, I want to we just come to, come to you in prayer and say, just really send our thoughts and prayers to those listening right now. And we pray for a sense of deep peace to descend upon every person who's listening to this that is rooted in faith in you that you, the, the, the creator of the universe, you hold all of this together and us together and you made us specifically, wonderfully, fearfully to do good works. And may our hearts seek you fully, um, obey you fully, but also boldly go forward with that intention of doing the good works that were designed, predestined for us to do in our businesses, our jobs, our companies, our services. Father, I pray for a spirit of great boldness and faith to descend upon every person who's listening to this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, brother. Christian, man, it's uh, it's great to have you on. I knew it was going to be phenomenal. <laughs> and um, I have, I'll put all of your stuff in there in the show notes for anyone, anyone looking for the links that he's referring to. I'll have them all in the show notes and um, look forward to hanging out soon, man. Thanks again for coming on. Anthony, thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure and an honor. All right, brother. We'll see you soon, man.
Thank you.